Chinese, Russian, German, French, and English. At this meeting, everyone spoke Russian. I couldn't help but stare out the window and watch the crowd, while downstairs, for two hours, my father listened to frightening stories. These people were refugees, people who ran away from their homes because if they stayed, they would be killed. They were Jews from Poland, escaping from the Nazi soldiers who had taken over their country. The five men had heard my father could give them visas, official written permission to travel through another country. The hundreds of Jewish refugees outside hoped to travel east through the Soviet Union and end up in Japan. Once in Japan, they could go to another country. Was it true? The men asked. Could my father issue these visas? If he did not, the Nazis would soon catch up with them. My father answered that he could issue a few, but not hundreds. To do that, he would have to ask for permission from his government in Japan. That night, the crowd stayed outside our house. Exhausted from the day's excitement, I slept soundly. But it was one of the worst nights of my father's life. He had to make a decision. If he helped these people, would he put our family in danger? If the Nazis found out, what would they do? But if he did not help these people, they could all die. My mother listened to the bed squeak as my father tossed and turned all night. The next day, my father said he was going to ask his government about the visas. My mother agreed it was the right thing to do. My father sent his message by cable. Guja took my father's written message down to the telegraph office. I watched the crowd as they waited for the Japanese government's reply. The five representatives came into our house several times that day to ask if an answer had been received. Any time the gate opened, the crowd tried to charge inside. Finally, the answer came from the Japanese government. It was no. My father could not issue that many visas to Japan. For the next two days, he thought about what to do. Hundreds more Jewish refugees joined the crowd. My father sent a second message to his government, and again the answer was no. We still couldn't go outside. My little brother Haruki cried often because we were running out of milk. I grew tired of staying indoors. I asked my father constantly, "Why are these people here? What do they want? Why do they have to be here? Who are they?" My father always took the time to explain everything to me. He said the refugees needed his help, that they needed permission from him to go to another part of the world where they would be safe. I cannot help these people yet, he calmly told me, but when the time comes. I will help them all that I can. My father cabled his superiors the third time, and I knew the answer by the look in his eyes. That night, he said to my mother, "I have to do something. I may have to disobey my government, but if I don't, I will be disobeying God." The next morning, he brought the family together and asked what he should do. 
This was the first time he ever asked all of us to help him with anything. My mother and Auntie Sesko had already made up their minds. They said we had to think about the people outside before we thought about ourselves. And that is what my parents had always told me, that I must think as if I were in someone else's place. If I were one of those children out there, what would I want someone to do for me? I said to my father, if we don't help them, won't they die? With the entire family in agreement, I could tell a huge weight was lifted off my father's shoulders. His voice was firm as he told us, I will start helping these people. Outside, the crowd went quiet as my father spoke, with Borislav translating. I will issue visas to each and every one of you to the last, so please wait patiently. The crowd stood frozen for a second. Then the refugees burst into cheers.